You created us for a purpose. You did not just create us to be wallowing in sin and moving idly without direction. Moreover, like our father Augustine said, you created us and you created a vacuum in us. We can never meet fulfillment in life until we cooperate with you in achieving your purpose for our lives. Lord, as we deliberate in your word this morning, open the eyes of somebody to the reason for his existence, to your call upon his or her life, in the name of Jesus. I submit myself as a vessel unto you, Lord. I do not know what to say. But my boldness and confidence is in the help of the Holy Spirit. To transmit your word and your whole counsel unto your people. Have your way, blessed Redeemer. And take every glory. For we pray in Jesus' name. I want to say that I was very glad last Sunday. And I was so happy that I had prepared my message before last Sunday. Otherwise, I would have been derailed and I would have been wondering what to say. But I thank God I had prepared my message, typed it, and was ready. The message last Sunday was very awesome. Pressing on to empty pursuits. And that's exactly what is happening to so many of us. And that someone last Sunday also made my assignment very simple. Because what we are just going to do is to look at the practical ways not to be pursuing emptiness in life. Because at the end of the day, you look back and you find you have wasted your life. I have a very lengthy introduction, but I will try to make it as brief as possible so that we can go into the main thing because of time. And remember our text, which was read for us. If we had all the time, I would have liked us to discuss on that uh, after the Apostles, chapter 20, elaborately, but we don't have that kind of time. It's not an exposition, just a Sunday sermon. But suffice it to say that that was uh, Paul's uh, farewell message to the Ephesian elders. And um, it was an exposure of the heart of Paul. And then, as we go along, we are going to look into details about the man Paul, and then maybe take some other examples, and then we will pray. We approach this issue, we need to be careful not to, we have to define some terms, like follow through, which simply means to fulfill or accomplish a task, or to bring to an end, uh, to bring to an end, or to complete like I like the translation that our sister used in reading. In that verse 24, it used the word, complete the work that the Lord Jesus Christ. My translation didn't use that. You know, to complete a task as against abandoning the assignment that has been given to you. You follow through to the end. That's uh, American English. Then the other one is call and issue of purpose. Though call and purpose may look similar, but permit me, in the course of this, Discussion to use that, separate them and use them technically. So we we'll differentiate purpose from call, and that will help us to bring, in essence, what the Holy Spirit will really want us to emphasize. 
Call is always associated with definite invitation or engagement or assignments by or from God. Example in Mark chapter 3, verse 13 to 15. The Bible says he went up to a mountain and he called unto himself those that he wanted. And even from among those he called, he had to choose twelve. And the Bible says he captioned them or christened them apostles. So it call is definite. You also look at Acts chapter 9, verse 15 to 16. See the call. Jesus Christ said, I have chosen him as a vessel. I have chosen him as a vessel. Chapter 13 of the same Acts says, Separate Paul and Barnabas. Remember when the church was uh, praying? It says, Separate Paul and Barnabas for the work for which I have called them. So call is very, very definite. There is a general and specific call. What we have described above is specific. In Greek it's called ekloge, translated chosen in Acts chapter 9 verse 15. Or prostat kalo, that's a divine call, entrusting men with the preaching of the gospel. Acts chapter 13 verse 2 and 16 verse If you still remember the Macedonian call, the Bible says they concluded that the Lord had called them to preach the gospel. Severally, we have been going for a mission and you know that the Lord is calling to something else. You leave it. Recently, Kumuye started changing some of the attitudes of the deeper life people. When he was talking about in the family, in the compound, you are the only one that has a car. And um, a neighbor, child is sick and supposed to be rushed to hospital, but that day is Bible study in the church. You know, and you say, how can I leave Bible study and start going to hospital? You go to Bible study, and by the time you're coming back, the child dies. And what type of Christianity? And that is coming from the mouth of Kumi himself. Rigid religiosity. That does not really make a meaning. At that point in time, the call of God upon your life is to take that child to the hospital. You may forgo Bible study, and at the end of the day, the devils will be with you. Your pastor may not like what you did, depending on the kind of pastor he is. So, course can be very definite, and when you do it, heaven will be happy with you. But there is a general call whereby God is inviting man to accept the benefit of salvation. If you are here, and you have not received Christ as your personal Lord and Savior, you better pay attention. Romans chapter 11, verse 29, 1 Corinthians 1, 26, Philippians 3, 14, 2 Peter 1, 10. That place simply means God's call on mankind to accept his salvation. Like, we talk about John chapter 3 verse 16. It says, God so loved the world that he gave his one and only begotten son. That whosoever believeth in him should not perish. It's an open invitation. It's an open check that has been written. So at the end of the day, if you did not feel your own, you should have yourself to blame. It's a general call. And then, um, if you look at Philippians chapter 3 verse 14, it's called high calling. In Hebrew chapter 3 1, it's called heavenly calling. You know, so these are issues that um, we need to look into. It's an open invitation, an open and general call. Your response to this general or primary call is what enlists you as a child of the kingdom. It gives you entrance like American visa, a visa to UK or to Japan. It's a visa into the kingdom of God. But your obedience to the specific call of God determines your crown. It's not enough that you are in the church. It's not enough that you are born again. If the Lord just wanted you to be born again and taken to heaven, then Immediately you were born again, you should have died. He left you here on earth for a purpose, and that's what we are going to talk about this morning. Then what about purpose? 
Every human being on earth has a purpose for its existence. Romans chapter 9 verse 17 and Proverbs 6 verse 4. The scripture says to Pharaoh, For this purpose I have raised you up. And in Proverbs 16 14, The Lord has made all for himself. Yes, even the wicked for the day of doom. Even the people like Professor Vijay will argue that if God made us for himself, then that means he's a selfish God. But the truth about it is that we were made for the glory of God. And until you fit in there, your life will not make any meaning. What about uh, the only person whose calling and purpose is clear from birth is our Lord Jesus Christ. You can keep from Genesis to Revelation. He's the only one that from day one, if you look at John chapter 18 verse 37, every other person must wait on God for the gradual unveiling of his call upon his or her life. Like we'll see even in the life of Paul. God said what, that he's going to be an instrument for preaching what I have revealed to him, what he has seen, and what I will yet show him. So as you move along in your life, God will be revealing the thing in processes. But in the case of Jesus Christ, even before he was born, he, because he himself was God, everything was married together. So for this cause, I was born. John chapter 18, verse 37. For this cause, I came into the world to bear witness to the truth. His call, every other person must wait for God's gradual unveiling of his call upon his or her life. Jesus said in John chapter 12 verse 27, For this purpose I came this hour. If you combine John chapter 3 verse 17, God did not send the Son into the world to condemn the world, with Luke chapter 19 verse 10, For the Son of Man has come to seek and to save that which is lost. You get it clearer. The purpose of his coming was not to condemn, it was not to judge. Even himself said there's somebody that will judge you, not he himself. And there's this scripture in young Korah that says, He did not come to judge the world. He did not come to blame. He did not only come to seek. It was to save he came. And when we call him Savior, and when we call him Savior, and when we call him Savior, then we call him by his name. Amen. So let's look at the life of Paul. Let's open together to that Acts chapter 20, from where our text was taken. Acts chapter 20. You can read it alongside 26. Acts 26, 2 to 20 also. Paul, who is seen, I will just summarize what I have here about the man Paul, because he was a very unique person, even in theological circle. He stands very unique. Even among the apostles, Paul is very unique. You know, he was a Benjamite, a Pharisee, trained at the feet of Gamaliel as a lawyer. If it's in our own time, we'll say he had PhD. He had PhD in international jurisprudence <laughs> from Harvard or Oxford University. If it's our own time, try to catch the picture of what it means to study under the feet of Gamaliel. He was an authority. Gamaliel was like Oxford. 
or Harvard. So if it is now, you say that Paul had PhD in international jurisprudence. He was a unique human being, both intellectually and otherwise. So that you don't think he was an ordinary person. If you talk of zeal, he was a persecutor of the church. For righteousness regarding the law, Paul was blameless. If you look at Philippians chapter 3, verse 4 to 6, and then Acts of Apostles 22, 3, and 534, you have the description of who he is. He was a Roman citizen of Tarsus in Cilicia. I still remember the discussion between him and the army. The army man said, I bought this thing because he said me, I know by my own. I am a what? I am a born Roman citizen. So I'm even superior to you. You know. The Bible says, whatever your hand finds to do, do it with all your might. You see, Acts chapter 10 verse 10. But for uh, chapter 9 verse 10. But for some of us, our hands have not found anything. How can the Father entrust anything to your care? Paul was zealous towards God, but in ignorance. So you find out that even if he assessed his life before he gave his life to Christ, it was worthy of emulation. As a doctor, can you be said to be the best doctor in UNTH or in whatever hospital you're working? Leave Christianity apart. As a professional in your field, can you be reckoned as an authority? That's what the Bible says. Because whatever your hand finds to do, whether as a nurse or a teacher, do it with all your might. In management, we are told, when you are forming a committee, you pay me for that because I paid to acquire that knowledge. In management, when you are forming a committee, or when you have an assignment to do, don't give it to a lazy person. Don't give it to an idle hand. That's what we were taught. Give it to somebody who is busy. He will give you results. Give it to the person that is idle. He will add it to his idle shelf. You know? So when you are a lazy person, an idle hand, God cannot call you. He cannot entrust anything that is serious into your hands. Yesterday, was it yesterday? I think it was yesterday when Prince came back. And I was just meditating on loud. I said, this man is very busy in uh, Funai. And a few days he got a job there. He's already acting for the issue, the traveling to work. So how does he now find extra time? Come and start to shift people in the church again. And they will stay here till late. I was envying him. That's the kind of thing that the Lord expects from us. Let's look very closely at that chapter 20 verse 24. Paul's determination to finish his race with joy. That was his determination to finish his race with joy. Then the next thing is his call. His call. Paul's call through ministry was to the Gentiles. Reaching out to the Gentiles will bring about enmity from his kinsmen and threats to his life. Take note of the fact that in the New Testament church, there were two sets of persecution. You had persecution from the unbelievers, the Roman citizens, and you had persecution from the Jews. I don't know which one was more terrific, because still remember that at the stage the emperor had to set the city on fire and held the Christians accountable. The Jews, they were prepared to kill, like when we get down you will see their disposition towards Paul. So reaching out to the Gentiles brought an enmity with his own people. You can see in those scriptures that are quoted there, 
They never killed, they never liked the name Gentile. So the moment he mentioned that name, they were ready to kill. Then the next one is, he was to reach out to the uh, kings, made possible by sins. The fulfillment of that aspect of his ministry will bring him into conflict. The only way of achieving it was through chains. Because if you look at that um, scripture, those scriptures, you find that they are very definite. We will reach out to the Gentiles, you will reach out to kings, and the only way to reach to kings, because you know we are bringing this thing down to yourself, so you better begin to take notes. For him to reach out to kings, he must do what? He must be in chains. Is it possible for Paul, as an individual, to have access to Caesar? It was not possible, if you know the way. So if you look at Philippians chapter 1, verse 4, and verse 12 to 14, you find out that even the palace guard had the gospel, because it was changed in between soldiers, and he was reaching out to them. And then in Philippians chapter 4, verse 22, you find out that within those of Caesar's household, they were Christians. Amen? So it was changed. That made possible the fulfillment of that aspect of his ministry. Then, the children of Israel, chapter 9, verse 15. Make no mistake about it. The fact that Paul was a minister or apostle to the Gentiles did not mean he was not reaching out to his own people. It's there in the Bible. Those were the people that he was supposed to reach out. Let's go on. Take notes that the race comes before words. Huh? That's what Paul said. He said that I might finish my race. Before he now talked about the completion of his ministry. And that's verse 24. But none of these things move me. Nor do I count my life dear to myself. So that I might finish my race with joy. And the ministry. Ministry follows after race. The emphasis of your life should be on the race. If you are not a candidate for heaven, every other thing you are doing is useless to God. So at every point in time, that's why the Bible admonishes you to examine yourself whether you have the genuine faith. And one of the ways to assess it is through your love for humanity. Your love for your fellow Christians, your love for your neighbors, your love for your friends. Because if you truly love God, you love the people that you love. Amen? Are we together? So it is the race before ministry. Let's look at Paul's disposition. Paul's disposition to life and ministry. In 20, uh, that 2024, and then 21, 11, and then 3, uh, uh, 11 to 13. I am ready not only to be bound, but to die for his name, the name of the Lord. You know, people were persuading him. If you know of Agabus, has this record that every prophecy that had been given by her, the prophet, came true. Of course, the Bible gave an example. But as you can now imagine the prophets of God saying, Don't go to Jerusalem. I like that. I call it holy stubbornness. Or holy rebellion, if you want to. Because he rebelled. Against the prophecy that was given him, which was truly of God, because of his zeal, 
for the kingdom. He said, look, these people are saying, I'm not only ready to be bound, but ready to do what? To die. Except your Christianity has come to that trade where you are prepared to die for the sake of Christ. You have not started. And that's why you see us living mediocre life. We are not productive. Because if you look at the scripture very closely, I don't know, I don't understand. It's one of those theological issues. Of course, if you go to the seminary, one of the questions you must answer is, why do evil things happen to good people? You cannot bypass that question. If you look at all the people that worked with God, from Abraham to Joseph to Daniel to the same pathway, when we look at God's disposition, we'll discuss more on that. No wonder he turned the Roman world upside down for Christ. Someone has said that what the other apostles could not achieve, the entrance of Paul to the scene made it possible. Let's look at different dispositions. We have looked at Paul's disposition. He was ready to die for the gospel. God's disposition is what, that's what I was saying. Chosen vessel, but with what? With suffering. And then more work will lead to more what? More work. One of the things I hated when I was growing up is to call me a pastor. And when I was in my youth service, the National Accountant of Scripture Union will always call me a pastor. And I will always rebuke him. You know why? It's not that I didn't like to be a pastor, but the concept we had of pastors was people who work like, not because they have bow leg, but because of their mega income, the shoe has so much worn that when it's not working, his leg will just be like this. That's the concept we had of pastors. And most of those village pastors were like that. So because of that, I saw calling me a pastor as a cause. And it's not far from it. Answering the call of God goes with a lot of suffering. Like I said, let's look at the life of Abraham. The Bible calls him what? The friend of God. But he lived without issue. But he held on to the promises of God. I don't have the time to go into details. If you look at the life of Job. Who was behind Job's suffering? Huh? Was it Satan? God boasted of Job before Satan. His righteousness and holy living is what brought trouble to him. <laughs> because the Bible says that among all the people of the East, none can be compared to Job. If you look at Joseph, Joseph was a very unique child. lived a life that was righteous. And at the end of the day, you saw how his righteous living landed him in prison. But one common thing among all these people that their end result was always what? Glorious. God has not changed. If you say yes to him, that is when your life will begin to make a meaning. I'm telling you out of experience. Amen? So that is God's disposition. He does not shy away from it. And straight, even his own son, Jesus Christ. You know that at a stage, Jesus spread what I call, because I, we had, when I was tears for you, we had this book in our bookshop that talked about dangerous prayers. But all those things they called different times of praying for your enemies to die, they are not dangerous prayer. The real dangerous prayer was prayed by Jesus. When he said, Father, if it be possible, let this cup, if God had answered that prayer, there would be nothing like chapel of his resurrection. We won't be here today. But we thank God that he added, nevertheless, not my will. It was not simple for him. You can now imagine somebody's sweat turning to blood. 
And at the end of the day, he went through it. So you and I cannot escape it. The cross remains the symbol of our faith. Amen. So that's God's disposition. The disposition of the Jews. You can see it there. We must kill him. If you look at 23, uh, 12 to 13, because of that reaching out to the Gentiles, and then they were opposed to him, and they were determined to kill him. You still remember 40 people taking oaths. But God uses nature so to deliver him. Let's look at Paul's uh, vision, mission, and passion. Acts chapter 26, I think I should read it, 13 to 20. Acts chapter 26, 13 to 20. At midday, O king, along the road I saw a light from heaven brighter than the sun shining around me and those who journeyed with me. And when we all had fallen to the ground, I had a voice speaking to me and saying in the, holy, in the Hebrew language, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? It is hard for you to kick against the God. So I said, who are you, Lord? And he said, I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting. But rise and stand on your feet, for I have appeared to you for this purpose, to make you a minister, a witness, both of the things which you have seen, and of the things I will yet reveal to you. I will deliver you from the Jewish people, as well as from the Gentiles to whom I now send you, to open their eyes in order to turn them from darkness to light and from the power of Satan to God, that they may receive forgiveness of sins and an inheritance among those who are sanctified by faith in me. Therefore, King Agrippa, I was not disobedient to the heavenly vision, but declared first to those in Damascus and in Jerusalem and throughout all the region of Judea, and then to the Gentiles, that they should repent Turn to God and do works befitting repentance. So when you talk about Paul's vision and passion, it was to witness to the things that he has seen and the things which God was here to reveal to him. And if you look closely at that verse 18, you see that the mandate is very, very clear to open their eyes so that they will turn from darkness to light and from the power of Satan to God. Whenever you go to minister, like we are talking about outreach this weekend, you have to spend time praying. Otherwise, you go there and receive embarrassment. I remember one of the places we went. I think that was Imbu. I think we just had scripture in your regional conference, the other side of the road. Not about two weeks or three weeks we were going to that Imbu. I was not sleepy, no, because we killed Python. In the venue of the scripture in the regional conference, that's in Go. And now where we are staying, the host perforated. I don't know why our God is always taking us to such places. We sleep in classrooms, and the host perforated. I use some things to cover the hole. So I will always look <laughs> in the night when I snake was coming through that hole. I, I wasn't sleeping very well in the night. Because the place was terrific. And of course, even the indigenous testified to it. But through prayer, you are able to arrest the God that in oppression and be able to deliver the people that are held captive by him. So he was, he was to turn them from the power of Satan to the power of God and look at the end result. That they may receive forgiveness of sins. 
That's the greatest miracle. Not the issue of blind seeing or the deaf. Somebody can receive his sight and go to hell. It doesn't make any sense. And you call somebody to be a millionaire and at the end of the day ends up in hell. The greatest miracle is for people's sin to be forgiven. Amen? Unfortunately, the church is losing sight of that. Our emphasis is on uh, miracles that opening of people's eyes, making so many people millionaires and the rest. Our emphasis should actually be on people's sin being forgiven. And then they will receive inheritance among those who are sanctified by faith. Let's go on. So the, his call was very definite. His vision was very, very definite. Note, a man's vision defines his earthly mission. The vision you have defines your earthly mission. And he drives his passion. The day you lose the act and the drive of steam for living, you die. You will still be moving and people will be seeing you, but you are a dead person. You are a ghost. And that's why you see, you can be going to a great day. You leave your house, you are going to a great day. But when you come out, you end up in Transikulu. Because there's no purpose, there's no more vision, there's no more drive. And there are people like that. The more definite you call, the more definite your call is clear to you, the better and the easier the passion, the drive to follow through. Because remember that's what we are talking about. Following through your call and your purpose. May not have made any meaningful impact have the main of definite vision. So let's look at the next question. Did Paul follow through or fulfill his call? That's the next thing we need to discuss. We have seen his vision, we have seen his passion. And we have said that without passion, without vision, it's not possible for you to be to follow through. And one of the things I'm going to do this morning is to have to pray for a group of people. And then it, is, it will be your responsibility to decide for yourself where you stand and take a stand. But let's look at Second Timothy chapter 4, verse 4 to 6. Paul's... Um, the question is, did Paul follow through? Did he fulfill his call? He himself said it. His testimony is contained there in 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 6 to 8. He said, I have fought a good fight. I have finished the race and I have kept the faith. You see that all the components that we've been talking about, he fought the fight. Remember at the stage he testified that he fought with the beast of Ephesus. And he talked about wearing all kinds of burdens, even from false brethren. And above it all, carrying the burden of the church. He fought and he won. He finished the race. And of course, he kept the faith. And I want to ask you, will that be your testimony? Each time I teach on this, I tell people that one of the things I try to do as a person is to departmentalize my life. Like now, you are a doctor in UNTH or you are a nurse in Parkland. It's not going to be for life, isn't it? So what you do is to program yourself in such a way that your testimony there, before your, the people that are on top of you, the people that are your colleagues, the patients you are working with, everybody that passed through you should have a testimony. 
So that any day, well, UNCH and Parkley may not be the best because they don't transfer you. But like a service secretary of Scripture Union, I went around almost the whole country. And so when you bring me to an area, I tell people I'm a slow learner. It takes me at least one or two years to study the people. And I work for one or two years and transferred again. I think I learn very slowly. But the moment I learn, I run with it. So that idea that when you transfer me, I may still be studying the people you transfer me. Bam, like Benin. When I was at Benin region, I barely understood the people. And when I started working with them, I was taken to Okibwe. You know. So, but what you try to do is to establish a mark. I went for a burial at Wari. And somebody was calling me. I was Arusi, I was Arusi. I said, no, I'm no longer your Arusi. I've been transferred to Okibwe. He said, no, it's you we know. Hello? You make a mark in such a way that the person that is taking over from you will have a problem. I was traveling from Abuja to Enugu in peace mass. And the group of lecturers that were sitting in the seat opposite my own, they were saying, hi, Omekezi expose. I was listening. You know who they were referring to? Professor Nebo. The vice chancellor that took, took over from him was having difficult to pay salary. It was that day I knew that he was paying them 13th month. I'm not a staff of UNTH, but you don't know where they are carrying you to. So departmentalize your life. If you are a lecturer and post you to a particular department in a particular season, have a goal. And when you achieve it, apart from the eternal issues you are talking about, you will be happy with yourself. Amen? Now let me tell you, one of the things that cause you problems, and I hold tightly to it. It is not work that causes you stress. It's planlessness. When you organize your work, your brain will be relaxed. And you'll be achieving more results than those who are just going about to touch this one half, again, it's your touch on car, again, it's here. Organize yourself, and you achieve better results. Kingdom business is also like that. Amen? Hallelujah. Did Paul follow through? Yes, he did. And let's talk about you and me now. As Christians, we tend to have dual personality, secular and spiritual purpose for our being. I personally do not believe in full-time call. As, as a trans secretary of scripture, you know, and I was not as busy as I was when I was a banker. And I can tell you that authoritatively. The days you have preparatory class at Asata, I don't go to on break. I go from the office straight so preparatory class, after preparatory class around six, when they are saying closing prayer, I go back to the office. And so the bank cannot hold me responsible because I didn't go on break, I didn't use bank time to do SU work. I was a group president, even as a banker. And all my meetings were in the night because there's no way you can hold meetings in the day. I was very busy because we have talked about being busy before. So there was really not much difference between my work in scripture union as a banker and my work in scripture union as a travel secretary. I still find it difficult to know which one was more voluminous. So the issue of full-time and part-time does not really arise. Well, when we are concluding, you will, you will know why we will talk about that. Then we talk about secular pursuits, like for uh, purpose, and then you talk about spiritual call. Try to distinct, uh, uh, This is part of the confusion sin brought upon us. Just like Jesus, our call and our purpose for existence is supposed to be the same. You see how Paul was wondering following in ignorance before God arrested him and brought him back to the original purpose of his existence. You know? If you look at 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 8 to 10, it said he was the least of the apostles. 
It, it looks ironic, the list of the apostles, but he said he labored more than all of them. Go and check the Bible. He wrote almost three quarters of the epistles. As one born after. And that will show you the type of zeal. And I believe somebody somewhere is being motivated. You know, this issue of the irony, like when Ajiki uh, was reading his inaugural message, and he was talking about the heart of the matter. Up to today, I find it difficult to know whether that was an academic presentation or pulpit preaching. If you were there, you'll understand what I'm saying. I think there were more bishops and priests than uh, professors in that. I went to the inaugural um, lecture of Professor Mrs. Sogo at Absu. Even though it was an abstract topic that even the professors were saying that this one is for the elite academicians, but she still brought God into that difficult scientific discourse. I don't know whether we are, we are together. So you can be a lecturer and yet you are working more than the pastor of your church in the things of God. That's the preacher you're not supposed to be there. Jesus is supposed to be our idea. The Bible says he's the author and the finisher of our faith and he's the one we are told to look unto. God's purpose for his children and trying to begin to rush to begin to round up. God's purpose for his children to get into all the world and do what? To get into all the world and to all preachers, making disciples of nations. As a child of God, you watch that word, what? Must be a part of the fulfillment of the Great Commission. Matthew chapter 28, 18 to 20. And you can achieve this by what? By number two and number three. Uh-huh. Or you know we are supposed to be discussing this thing but because of time what it simply means that number four is that you can go you can give and you can grow. Is it possible? Nevertheless, you can decide the one that God has called you. That's why in Capro, they have short missions, opportunities that are provided for you. Actually, I was supposed to be a staff of Capro, but it's part of this thing we are talking about. We had 22 of us that answered the call to go into missions with Capro. 1985-86, by a family came to discuss with us in Ibadas, Copas. And out of the 22, I was the head, I was the leader of the team. So, and by a when I went to ask him about my work in Scripture Union, he said Scripture Union workers are not missionaries. A lot of today, I've not really known whether that is true or not. I leave it as his personal opinion. But do you know the reason I did not work with Capro? I had already accepted. Myself and Rawali Kutu, now Rale, uh, it was Rale Mabiaku, now Rawali Kutu. He was one of the 22 that answered the call. And one sister, she, two of them, eventually ended up in Jaws, but she, Backslided from mission field, went and got married because the parents were persecuting him. Myself, I had nobody to persecute me. I didn't get there. So myself and Rodney went to UI, to near UI, where the parents of um, um, Robayo Farmonore was, where they were living. Do you know the question I wanted to ask him? After going to Joss for training under Capro, will I now have my degree? And then have Capro certificate and then I start looking for work. Or will Capro engage me? That's what I wanted him to answer. 
We went there, he was not there. He was there in the battle, but we went to different places that Rolly knew he could be. We didn't find him. That's how I did not go to Capu. And they ended up in scripture union. Amen? So you can go. You can, you can give. You can grow. And that is part of the call this morning that somebody here must get committed to one of these three. At least. But it is easier to combine when you give, you must pray. Because you have to pray for those in the field. You have to pray for those. When you go, you must still also pray. Because if you don't pray, you will be consumed in the mission field. So you find out that they are interwoven. Amen? It must be noted that the work of the ministry is not for the clergy alone. Please, I want you to take note of this. That word, mostly, I don't really like it. Because if you look at that scripture very closely, you find out that it will not be out of place to say that the work of the ministry is for the late. But in order to be cautious, because I am talking to intellectuals, so that I don't make a statement to fault me, I have to use that word, mostly. If you look at that Ephesians, you understand what I'm talking about. Say, in creeping, eh? Because I said that it must be noted that the work of the ministry is not for the clergy alone, but mostly for the late. That mostly is introduced by me. But if you look at Ephesians chapter 4, 11 to 16, say, equipping the saints, who? Who will do the work of the ministry? Who will do the work of the ministry? Aura, Uncle Samike. Aura, Jere. Aura, Reverend Okeke. That should do the work of the ministry. Hello, are you listening to me? I am not the one that wrote that scripture. Their work is to do what? The work of the ministry. To equip. The work of the clergy is to equip the saints to do the work of the... Get it right. That is the biblical demand from you. So if you are here and you just think you are only just to come and be sitting down and every day we, 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 we keep admonishing you, they will be begging you, like you see the announcement in the bulletin. I don't know whether some of us have even seen it. Next weekend is outreach, isn't it? And we're treating with doctors and nurses, and they will not, they will not say, but you're not even on duty in the hospital, and you will not be there. You will recover, you will travel, and start going on weekend. You are destroying yourself. You are destroying yourself, because that's not biblical demands. It's a good thing they say, to do the work of the ministry. Every part, the clergy and the laity, shares and those in shares, verse 16, the clergy is to act as what? Catalyst, training and motivating agents. In modern management terminology, they are now using the word coach. Use the word coach. Coach is more like an apprenticeship. The coach, the players, or the people he's coaching are attached together and they learn together in practice. To display God's glory, look at the issue Number one is to go to the world and preach the gospel. Number two is to do what? To display God's glory as his what? As his priest. You are a priest. First Peter chapter 2 verse 9 to 12 says you are a royal priest. Every one of us in your office, in your neighborhood and in the marketplace. Whatever you are, find yourself as what? As a priest. Don't tell yourself, oh, they are called the limba. That's what we were taught in Nifes. And I've always seen myself as a priest. I was even more proud as a priest when I was not ordained. Because when we talk, I tell them which one is better, the one that was ordained by Archbishop 
Chukwu woman and the one that is directly ordained by God. Who can get the superior? Eh? So whether you are here, or you are a doctor, you are a nurse, or a teacher, you have been ordained by who? Nkendia, how man how? God at the back, the man is in the front laying hands. But every one of us here, sitting looking at me, has been ordained by who? You can outwork them. I'm telling you biblical standards. And before that, God, you will now see yourself receiving greater prize than them. But you can take the challenge this morning. Amen? Amen. Number two is to display God's glory as his priests. In your office, in your neighborhood, in your workplace. Whatever you see yourself, tell yourself you are a priest. And then as a priest, you must suffer sacrifices. And we talk about the fourfold sacrifices that you must offer as a priest. Fourfold sacrifice. Number one, offer your body as what? Offer your bodies as living what? Sacrifice. Holy and acceptable to God. It says it's your what? Eh? It's your reasonable service. The offer of your body as a living sacrifice. Look at that hymn we also read. All your things led at the altar. Until you give all, you cannot get anything meaningful from God. So you must first and foremost give your life. And then that, that uh, sacrifice in the Greek meaning, it says voluntary relinquishing of what is valuable to you. Relinquishing. It can be a profession, it can be anything in order to serve you. Then number two is what? Praise to God, the fruit of your lips. And you can look up those passages. Number three is what? Your substance. We talked about giving. Number four is your service. And we need to place emphasis and it is with that that we are going to round up. Your service. Exodus chapter 19 verse 5 to 6. We are not reading all these passages because of time. This is the critical point. You cannot and must not be a bed warmer in the house of your father. Look at the program booklets. It is always there. Every Sunday. The various departments where you can serve. After announcing the newcomers, the educating reads on a daily basis. It's a judgment each time you listen to it. If you listen and you don't make any move to belong. Look at the program booklets. What is your calling and which department in the church will help you fulfill it? Join. If you have not joined before, join from this morning. Do not be idle in the church. To be very frank with you, my coming here to preach was very difficult for me. Because we have a discussion in the teen church. And I had to send my own input because I felt so bad that I was going to be absent from it. Even at this stage, I wanted to ask God. I said, no, let me not annoy the Archdeacon. Whether I can go over there after the message. Because my heart is with them. Your call has to be definite. And when you're doing that, that the Lord has called you to do, you'll be happy. Amen. So let's look at conclusion. We saw Dr. Ferdinand Weke, Paul in nature, who gave up their medical practice. Paul gave up his lucrative legal practice, like we have seen in the Bible. We said that if it's now, we say he had PhD in international jurisprudence. Pastor Kubu Yenok Adebue Milakane were lecturers at Unilag and Katsinala, College of Education, Katsinala. Bishop Oedepo was an architect. I remember I sat with him in the Bible study class 
with um, Adegoye when they were still coming up. I know he was still talking about prosperity, even though he was wearing short sleeve. We went to this Holy Ghost Congress in Ibadan. They were just common people like myself that time. I was a copper myself. And we were sitting in the Bible study class. I still do not remember that even as he was in Ibadan, he was not in Lagos by then, but he was talking about prosperity. You know, so he was an architect, but he left that to pursue their call. We have Professor Nike, Professor Nesonga Sibwe, who came to offer Chinedu Nebo ETC, who are combining their call with their secular engagements perfectly well. I don't know whether you agree with me. You know, who came to when he was at UNEC, I think it's Wednesday, either Monday or Wednesday, from morning till every time the last cancellation leaves, he will not eat and he will not do any other thing. There are some full-time priests that are not doing that kind of thing. Hello? So you will agree with me, and I've told you about the inaugural lecture that we attended, how the whole thing fitted. So where do you fit in? You as a person, where do you fit in? Are you a missionary nurse, or evangelist lawyer, or doctor? God may not be calling all of us to live our profession, but he's calling on all of us to be so winners for him. As a pastor, you may not assess, you may not have access to some patients like in ICU, but as Dr. Pastor, you have unbridled access to all the patients. So what plans are you putting in place to follow through and fulfill your call to purpose? Let me pause here and say something. The Holy Spirit dropped that when I was preaching in UNTH when they were there, the old uh, site, they hadn't gone to it to call that. In um, Hospice Christian Fellowship. And the Holy Spirit dropped it in my heart. I was envying doctors and teachers, these two professions. You know why? As a doctor, you have the singular privilege of speaking to a patient between time and eternity. You be the last communicator, and after that, it goes to the great beyond. I both envy and don't envy you. Do you know that if in carelessness, and some of you that think that God called you as a doctor to make money. That that is the singular purpose for which you became a doctor. And that person will die and go to hell. And God will hold you responsible. Because you are being in contact with him was an opportunity to reach out to him with the gospel. And bring him into the kingdom. Before he slides into eternity. And we can imagine if at the end of the day you preach and he gave his life to Christ. How glorious it will be. Your name will go in record in heaven. The other profession that I envy are the, are the teachers. I have taught myself. The students see you as authority. You know everything, even if you read history, they will see as authority in medicine, as authority in law, whatever you say is final. Is it not praise in nursery that will come home and I'm trying to teach you, say it's not what your teacher said. Say if you talk like that again, I'll slap you. Your teacher may not even have a diploma. I'm a graduate and you're telling me your teacher said in nursery. Can you imagine that? It's an insult. But that is the reality of students. What the teacher says is final. And yet you can imagine if that teacher is a parting Christ to them at that early stage. They grow up with it. So if you are in teaching profession and you do not bring Christ into your teaching, what the type did? Let me tell you, you people hold a very fake view of Islam. In the north, do you know that Muslim students offer Christian knowledge in Waek? Do you know that? So many of them. And I was asking somebody if I'm teaching mathematics. And I tell them, let us pray. I will begin to pray and I say, Father, 
help them to know Jesus Christ so that you will give them wisdom to begin to understand mathematical principles and be able to make good results. I ask people, if the Emir or the Sultan of Sokoto is in the window and the child is in that, wouldn't you say amen? And we're parents in that can we are succeeding? Interline the gospel with whatever profession, whatever you're doing. Amen. We conclude with Paul's charge to Timothy and Archippus by extension to you and to me. Second Timothy 4, 2 and 5. Preach the word. Be ready in season and out of season. Convince, rebuke, exhort with all long suffering and teaching. Be watchful in all things. Endure afflictions. Remember where we are coming from? God's disposition. That you are serving him does not mean life is going to be easy. Anybody that is telling you that is false. It's not true. It's not true. But I can tell you that at the end it will be glorious. Amen? Do the work of an evangelist. Fulfill your what? Your ministry. In other words, complete your ministry. Follow through. If you look at Paul, he said he has finished the work. He finished his work. If you look at Jesus in John chapter 4 verse 24, John chapter 17 verse 4, and of course the last word that came from his mouth in John chapter 19 verse 30 is, is what? It's finished. He finished his task. Why should he and I be different? Amen? Colossians 4 12. Is that what you Take it to the ministry which you have received in the Lord that you may do what? Fulfill it. That you may finish it. That you may complete it. Like I said earlier, we're going to pray. We're going to pray for three groups of people. For those who need to accept him as their Lord and Savior. And those who want, and number two, those who want to call, who, who want their call made clearer. In other words, they already know the direction that God is moving with them, but they want it to be clearer. We'll pray for those ones. And then those who know, but require greater motivation, unction to fulfill their calls or purpose. If you fall to any of this category, you simply stand up, I'll hand over the mic to the Adjikin, and he will pray for you. If you want to give your life to Christ, stand up on your feet. You want your call to be made clearer to you. You already have an idea what God has called you to do. You stand up, and prayer will be offered on your behalf. And finally, you already know what is your call, but you need greater motivation and unction to fulfill your cause or purpose. Just stand. Father in heaven, we pray for every one of us who is standing. And for those who are staying down, your will is perfect, your will is acceptable, your will is good. Your will and purpose for us is specific. And as we do not conform to the world, live our normal lives as before, but allow ourselves to be transformed by reason of your word and understand the reason why you have brought us to know you, and that is to be ambassadors for you, that when the old things pass away, and all things become new, according to Second Corinthians 5.17, you make us ambassadors, witnesses for the gospel, and that we can plead with any and every one as a mandate, and a call from you to also surrender to you. Almighty God, I pray that this burden 
will be clear in the hearts of everyone who stands in the name of Jesus. I pray that this call will also be clear to everyone who sits in the name of Jesus. That the primary reason why you have left us here on earth, after we have known you, surrendered our lives to you, is that we may also bring others to you. That was their final prayer in John 17, 17 to 20. That you pray not only for those who are belonging to you now, but for those also who will believe in you through their witness. May the witness, may the call to be ambassadors, to spread the news and to testify of your grace in the life of others. Declare to everyone here, standing and sitting, in the name of Jesus Christ. May that burden and passion never burn out of us. May we never lose sight of it. May it always give us a motivation wherever we are, whatever platform, wherever we walk, wherever we serve. Wherever we are waiting job, as you go applying, as you go administering, as you go politicking, as you go reading, teaching, administering care, as you go in the law courts and in the chambers, may that be clear in our lives and be purposeful in the name of Jesus Christ, Spirit of God. Sow this burden afresh in us and let it never depart as you see the work and the burden yielding fruits. Chosen us in order that we may also go and bear fruit, much more fruit, and that our fruit will remain in the name of Jesus Christ. And Father in heaven, for the specific area of your call, your gifts and call are without repentance. And as everyone has received the gift from you, First Peter chapter 4 verse 10, so also do we use the same to minister to let others be defied, to let others profit. I ask you, Lord, that everyone who stands here will be clear on the area of the work of the ministry that you are asking him or her to play the role why heaven has given him an assignment, given her an assignment to remain here and be a blessing and occupy and show forth your fragrance and glorify you in the name of Jesus Christ. Where they see men as trees, Lord, May the eyes clear in the name of Jesus. Where they are not yet clear, Lord, let there be a clearance now in the name of Jesus Christ. Where there are gray areas, Father, put a fire in their heart and give them no rest until they get involved in this area of being fruitfully engaged for you. And so also will you multiply grace upon their lives. Will you multiply blessings upon their lives. Will you open the doorways. For you have always gone on to bless those who are already about engaged in the work. In the name of Jesus Christ. Lord, we pray that from today and now, your spirit will enlighten our hearts one by one. And our eyes of inner understanding that we may know the reason and the purpose for which you have called us to minister and to remain therein. And to therein do with the power and spirit which you have given us. And do it joyfully and finish it in the name of Jesus Christ. Thank you, Father. As you commit us to your work and to the glory of your name. In Jesus name we pray.